Welcome, friends, to the Earl Dex Pokemon Podcast, a podcast that asks, if this Pokemon were real, where might I find it in the real world? What would its moveset and ability be in the wild? Does its data even make sense? I am your host, Geo, and in answering these questions, we'll be discussing the real-life plants, animals, myths, legends, people, things, and even foods that inspired the Pokemon we know and love. It should be noted that we will be using data coming from the core series of games almost exclusively, venturing into the anime, spin-off games, or manga only when absolutely necessary to fill in some blanks, if at all. For our 10th episode, we'll be celebrating double-digit episodes with double-digit National Dex entries, numbers 21 and 22, Spirau and Firau. The introduction of a new generation of Pokémon never fails to bring about a few Gen 1-ers. Pokemon fans who only like the first generation of Pokemon games. And I find that position both relatable and ridiculous at the same time. While I personally have what I would call a healthy disdain for nostalgia, nostalgia certainly accounts for a lot of the warm feelings towards the original 151. It makes it easy to forget that while Gen 1ers fi and foo about Pokemon like Trubbish, a literal bag of garbage, or Klefki, a sentient keyring, their preferred generation includes Pokemon like Voltorb and Electrode, the same ball but in different orientations, Grimer and Muck, which is just a pile of sludge and a larger pile of sludge, and Pokemon like Pidgey, Ekans, and our guest of honor for the day, Spearow, all of which could easily be mistaken for cartoons of unremarkable, real-world animals. At the same time, there is a certain charm to the simplicity of these Pokemon for a certainty, and despite my antipathy toward nostalgia, even I couldn't help but smile warmly as I began my research into Spearow, Firau, and their potential real-world analogs. So, let's keep the smiles coming and see what our amalgamated dex entries have to say about Spearow and Firau. Spearow, the tiny bird Pokemon. It eats bugs in grassy areas. Inept at flying, it must flap its short wings at high speed to stay airborne over short distances. However, it can fly very fast to protect its territory. Its cries can be heard over half a mile away. Their cry is used to warn each other of danger. Its reckless nature leads it to stand up to even large Pokemon using Mirror Move to protect its territory. It uses its beak to search for prey, then flaps its wings to flush insects from the tall grass. Farmers appreciate Spearow for its vigorous appetite and look after it. As with many of the original 151 Pokémon, there is an overabundance of information on Spearow that has built up in the 26 years since its debut in Pokémon Red and Green. Despite its relatively small stature, Spearow is labeled 100% as an insectivore, eating bug-type Pokémon with such exclusivity that it can apparently be trusted to freely roam a farmer's crops, eating only bug Pokémon. While size isn't necessarily everything, and Spearow undoubtedly benefits from having super effective type advantages against most bug Pokémon, there are only six bug Pokémon in the world that are smaller than itself. Joltik, Cutiefly, Ribombi, Burmy, Nimble, and Relore. An additional 12 bug Pokémon are about the same size as itself, including its fellow Cantonian Pokémon Caterpie and Weedle, 
So unless Spearow shares a lot of territory with these 18 species of bug Pokemon, it is easy to believe that Spearow stands up to Pokemon much larger than itself on a regular basis. The level of detail gained over 26 years also serves to bring about a level of nuance we don't often get. Territoriality in animals is often thought of as individualistic in the popular imagination, but Spearow doesn't just protect its territory, it warns other Spearow of danger within the territory, indicating that Spearow have a group territoriality and potentially assemble in flocks rather than roaming as individuals. This is supported by the very first episode of the Pokemon anime in which Ash runs afoul of a single Spearow who goes on to summon the entire flock against him. Spearow's dex entry also contains a rare shoutout to an actual Pokemon move, attributing Mirror Move as one of Spearow's specialties. Unfortunately, starting in Generation 8, Mirror Move is no longer a viable attack in the games, but in real life, there's no reason I can see that Spearow wouldn't keep on Mirror Moving. Spearow is categorized as the tiny bird Pokemon alongside Pidgey, Natu, and Rookidee. Although it earns that designation by being tied with many other Pokemon as the third smallest in the world, by real life standards, a foot tall or 0.3 meter tall bird is roughly the size of a 2 liter bottle of soda, making it really quite large compared to real world birds. However, at 4.4 pounds or 2 kilograms, it isn't all that heavy, which keeps it within the realm of physical possibility. In fact, the real world morning dove native to North America shares almost its exact dimensions. Firao, the beak Pokemon. It shoots itself suddenly high into the sky, then plummets down in one fell swoop to strike its prey and uses its thin long beak to pluck and eat small insects and other prey in soil or water. With its huge and magnificent wings, it enjoys flying and can keep aloft a whole day without ever having to land even while carrying a heavy load. If it senses danger, it flies high and away instantly. It uses its long beak to attack. With its surprisingly long reach, it must be treated with caution. Firao has also been known to snatch food from humans and has been seen fishing the ocean in Alola. Firao looks like a fairly straightforward design at first glance, but it really does have a lot going on. A mishmash of maybe far too many disparate bird features and behaviors that don't exactly gel together as well as many other Pokemon do. Shooting into the sky and then plummeting down on prey is not a feature of most birds with necks and beaks as long as Pharaoh has. In fact, of all the birds with elongated necks and beaks like Pharaoh, they are overwhelmingly wading birds, like herons, cranes, and spoonbills. This is reflected throughout the remainder of the entry specifying that it uses that long neck and legs to pluck prey from soil and water. The remainder of the entry concerns Firao's preference for flight rather than fight. Despite such a fearsome name, Firao, like most birds, initial instinct is to fly away from trouble rather than engage in a fight. Fortunately, Firao apparently enjoys flying a great deal and has the ability to stay aloft for an entire day without the need for rest. In real life, the subject of whether or not a bird can enjoy flying is a fairly open question. Unlike with various mammals, Bird anatomy, physiology, and brain chemistry is distinctly unlike our own, and therefore much more open to interpretation and misinterpretation. 
While it is easy to ascribe human characteristics to our pets and other animals, the plain fact is, as succinctly put in Nathan J. Emery's and Nicola S. Clayton's current biology article, Do Birds Have the Capacity for Fun? Quote, There is very little scientific evidence to bear on what a happy animal would look like if we saw one. End quote. Of course, Pokemon have much more anthropomorphized personalities than real-world animals, so it's likely that if you asked a Firau whether or not it enjoyed flying, it might actually respond in the affirmative in some way. Firau has also been known to snatch food from humans and has been seen fishing the ocean in Alola. While plenty of birds have an opportunistic streak and will take a piece of bread or other food if it thinks it can get away with it, the fact that it also fishes the oceans around Alola puts me in mind of seagulls and cormorants. Seagulls can positively swarm around the prospect of free food. I personally have witnessed what must have been 30 seagulls hovering in front of a few humans, tossing them free food. And in Finding Nemo, we have the infamous mine seagulls. On the fishing end, we have various species of pelican that in some ways bear the greatest resemblance to Firau. We mentioned earlier that most birds with Firau's long neck and beak are wading birds, but what I didn't mention is that wading in the water usually requires much longer legs than Firau has. Firau has stubby little legs like the pelican, and like the pelican, it also dive bombs for its prey, fish. Still, Firau is pretty clearly missing the distinctive pelican pouch and wasn't considered a coastal Pokemon at all until Pokemon Sun and Moon introduced the Alola region. Truly, Firau has maybe far too many bird aspects about it, almost like an avian chimera akin to the platypus. As confusing as Firau's design might be, there are a few touchstones we can always rely on. Firau is definitely about 3 foot 11, 1.2 meters tall, and weighs 83.8 pounds, or 38 kilograms. While that might sound sensible, it neglects the fact that Firau is a bird, and most birds are very light, allowing them to fly more easily. Perhaps the heaviest flying bird in the world is the Great Bustard, which can grow up to 3 foot 5 inches tall, just half a foot shy of Firau, but more importantly, it is the heaviest flying bird in the world, and it usually only gets up to 40 pounds, or 18 kilograms, just under half the purported weight of Firau. When we take into consideration that not only can Firau fly, but it can fly an entire day even while carrying a heavy load, we are more able to see that while it might not seem like it at first, Firau's power is just as incredibly exaggerated as many other Pokémon in the decks, although perhaps in a much more subtle way. When I was 14 and played Pokémon Sapphire, I remember telling my big sister that my Zigzagoon had evolved into a Furret. And I'll never forget how she replied, Why would a raccoon evolve into a ferret? The obvious answer is, it wouldn't, and Pokemon is just a fun game to play where Pokemon get bigger and more powerful over time, and Darwinistic principles are frequently secondary or tertiary to the rule of cool, if they're even considered at all. And Spearow to Fearow certainly follows the same principle. Why would a sparrow evolve into a pelican? Because don't think about it, that's why. There are a lot of species of sparrow in the world, but only so many with the unique combination of dex-informed traits that Spearow displays. Spearow is described as being inept at flying, and making high-pitched cries, 
And while there aren't really any sparrows that struggle to fly, there is a sparrow that vocalizes quite a bit. The song sparrow is much more well known for a full repertoire of songs likened to a playlist than a series of high-pitched cries. But much like Spirou, it is said to make these vocalizations to announce its territory and to warn others of danger. So we see that much like our Pokemon of the day, the song sparrow is territorial and announces that fact through its vocalizations. It was originally thought that song sparrows not only knew a diverse array of songs, but that they could recognize the songs of friendly neighbor sparrows and intruding stranger sparrows in order to best defend its territory. However, a recent report from Kaglara K and Michael D. Beecher published in volume 178 of Behavioral Processes found that song sparrows cared very little for what song or from whom it was that it was singing it, and only cared whether or not it was being sung from within their territory. So even if the song being sung was well known by the bird, and being sung by a neighbor well known to the bird, these factors did not matter. If it was being sung from within its territory, it was an intruder. And while song sparrow vocalizations have been characterized as more complex and akin to human language than that of other birds, only the male of the species actually sings, and the purposes of these vocalizations is entirely to demarcate territory and woo mates. So, song sparrows don't share Spearow's ability to warn others of its kind on impending danger that we're aware of. The idea that Spearow populations might be promoted by farmers to keep away insects was a notion that I wasn't personally expecting to entertain beyond a simple dismissal. But earlier this year, February 2022, an article published by Alyssa Olympi et al. in the Journal of Applied Ecology showed that while there are certainly pros and cons to the courting of birds in the area surrounding farms, there was an overall net benefit in terms of fewer crops damaged and pathogens introduced when various birds' natural habitats were allowed to more closely surround the studied farmlands. While none of the most beneficial birds were sparrows, the principle that local bird populations may be beneficial to farms is apparently well-founded. If that's the case in real life, it isn't too much of a leap at all that farmers in Pokeworld would theoretically be able to formalize a healthy relationship with the surrounding Spearow population around their farms. The final bit of information on Spearow is that it is recklessly aggressive, to the extent that it will challenge Pokémon far larger than itself, which, to be fair, is most Pokémon in existence. Of course, in real life, sparrows are roughly 5 to 7 inches or 12 to 17 centimeters tall, so they pose little threat to most creatures larger than them. However, they are fierce little things that absolutely can and do bully other similarly sized birds for territory and feeding sources. Orioles, swallows, bluebirds, and martins are all common victims of their wrath, as sparrows have no problem not only pushing them away from their food sources, but stealing their nesting areas, killing their competition, and destroying their rivals' eggs. Yeah, next time you hear a sparrow's song, keep in mind that to other native birds, it's less a charming little ditty and more of a terrifying war cry. So, if we accept that the song sparrow is the most direct relative of the Pokemon Spearow, you'll find it viciously defending its territory just about anywhere in the US and Canada. Now, we turn our attention to Firao, which despite its fearsome appearance and name we've already established is less connected to birds of prey like one might have originally thought, and more of an abominable amalgamation of avian animal anatomy 
whose more prominent particulars and peculiarities proved to be more precisely pelican-like in practice. All of which is to say that, despite having a coxcomb characteristic of landfowl, having the long beak and neck more suited to wading birds, and having talons characteristic of birds of prey, by biology and temperament, the closest analog to Firau in real life is oddly the pelican. But even among pelicans it's an oddity. In terms of aesthetics and personality, Firau most closely resembles the brown pelican. But the dex entries imply that Firau having been seen fishing the seas around Alola is a relatively new development, so it isn't a coastal bird like the brown pelican. One of the only inland pelicans, the American white pelican, has the edge there, as it prefers to settle inland on small islands found in freshwater and brackish lakes. While that sounds more like Firau, it also resembles Firau less and doesn't feed in either of the ways Firau is said to do. It simply swims across the surface of the water and plucks prey as it swims. So even in real life, Firau is still hard to pin down as any single species. It's more of a mix of the brown pelican and the American white pelican. And since we've now decided on the real-world equivalent to Firau, a combination of the brown pelican and the American white pelican, and we've already previously identified the song sparrow as Spirau's closest real-life equivalent, we finally get a picture of where we might find Spirau and Firau in real life. The two have heavy overlay throughout North America, especially the western and central United States and Canada. However, both pelicans are migratory birds, with a breeding season in March and April. So, if you wanted to find a Firau in real life, you'll find them in the inland central and western United States and Canada, but come winter, you'll also find them inland along the coastal states of Mexico and Central America, in the Caribbean, and on down to the coasts of South America, as far down as Peru and the Galapagos Islands in the west, and French Guiana in the east. Come spring, they'll return to North America for the breeding season, where we get a new generation of Spirau who will more broadly populate the entire United States, all but northernmost Canada, and the most northern reaches of Mexico. Simple, right? Spirau and Firau have access to two abilities, Keen Eye and Sniper. While it is well known that birds of prey have incredible eyesight, the fact is that most birds have excellent vision. Without getting too far into the weeds, the density of photoreceptors in the eye's retina is what determines visual acuity. The greater number of photoreceptors per square millimeter, the more you can see. The average human being has about 200,000 photoreceptors per square millimeter. But the house sparrow, a cousin of Spirau's song sparrow, literally has twice that, with 400,000 photoreceptors per square millimeter. After all, if you're going to be flying in a three-dimensional space, you're going to want to be able to see where you're going as clearly as possible. With that in mind, and taking into account that while both song sparrows and pelicans can certainly be aggressive in certain contexts, neither of them are the kind to go recklessly looking for a fight. We'll have to favor keen eye, which makes moves that decrease their accuracy useless. We have a lot to play with in Spirau's moveset, as 26 years of entries tends to build a lot of lore. First and foremost, Spirau is a bug killer, to such an extent that it is actively cultivated by farmers seeking to keep crop-destroying bugs away. While I would personally prefer pluck, Spirau can only learn that move unnaturally through TM. And while drill peck is tempting, 
Spearow's beak doesn't look well-optimized for drilling the way that the adult Spearow's long beak is, so we'll settle for the weaker Peck. It might not be overly exciting, but you don't need much to deal with the likes of Caterpie and Weedle. We also know that Spearow isn't a great flyer. In order to help it compensate for that, the little guy needs to flap its wings really fast, so the second spot will be taken by Agility. As Miramove is specifically called out in a dex entry when defending its territory, that will be the third spot, which just leaves a single move left to illustrate Spearow's loud cries. And here again, settling will be the name of the game. Screech seems like it would be the perfect move here, but Spearow only has access to the lesser move, Growl. So that's what it's gonna be. Peck to eat some bugs, Agility to compensate for its inept flying, Mirror Move to help protect its territory, and Growl to illustrate its cries. Firao is somewhat more straightforward, with a more consistent pattern of behaviors to draw inspiration from. The first is its preferred pelican-like method of hunting, shooting into the sky and swooping down to gather up prey. And so we see that the parade of missed opportunities continues into the adult Firao. This is a perfect description of fly, which Firao cannot learn naturally for some reason. So, settling once again, we will give Firao the very similar move, Sky Attack, which it can learn through breeding. Sky Attack stores energy, or has the user glow on the first turn, and attack with great power on the second turn, with an increased chance to land a critical hit and cause the opponent to flinch. So, how do we get Firao to actually fly? One of its favorite things to do? Well, Tailwind would be great, but Firo can't learn that either. So, we'll go with Agility instead. After all, the deck states that when in danger, Firo can fly away pretty impressively quickly. The remainder of the information on Firo skews more to the aggressive side, how it plucks insects from soil and water, how it plucks food from passing humans, and how it has an impressively long reach for attacking with its long beak. With those things in mind, we'll give the last two slots over to Pluck and Aerial Ace. While Pluck is the more obvious of the two, Aerial Ace is a move that never misses, which is one way we can show off Firao's incredible reach when lashing out with its beak. So, we've got Sky Attack for its swooping flying attack, Agility to help it quickly escape from danger, Pluck to get insects out of soil or water and snack food from the hands of careless humans, and Aerial Ace, to illustrate Firao's long reach with its long neck and beak. Now that we've thoroughly picked apart the surprisingly complicated pair of Spearow and Firao, let's see what the Earldex has to say about them if they existed in real life. Spearow, the tiny bird Pokemon. As recent studies have shown the benefits of cultivating Spearow populations near farms, they have gained more popularity in rural areas from those not bothered by its high-pitched cries. Though it isn't the best at flying, it can move quickly using its agility and defend itself with Mirror Move. Firao, the Beak Pokémon Firao are migratory Pokémon who tend to stay near freshwater sources, although they have occasionally been observed fishing in the ocean. While they can be fearsome and aggressive, 
They are mostly opportunistic by nature, preferring to snatch food or prey quickly and fly high into the air rather than stand and fight. With that, we have successfully deconstructed Spirau and Firau, as well as their real-world equivalents, the Song Sparrow and the American and Brown Pelicans. 20 down, at least 908 to go. Thank you so much for listening. I have been your host, Gio, and next time on the program, we'll be looking into our first truly cross-generational family of Pokémon, introduced in generations 2, 1, and 4, respectively, Elekid, Electabuzz, and Electivire. See you then.